0: I would love to have the opportunity um, to have each one of you take time to maybe kind of talk about some of the things you thought about, some of the ideas or images that went through your mind as uh, you listened and read and heard the account of our Lord's transfiguration as, uh, as one of the disciples yourself. I'd love to hear uh, your questions or Concerns or whatever, but we just don't have time for that. You know, one Lord, one faith, one baptism in one hour, right? We just don't have time for all that. So what I will do is kind of share with you some of, some of my questions as I read and reread that account that Mark gives us of Jesus' transfiguration. And a couple things that just kind of, wow, you know. The first one is I, I have always been so curious. I just want to know what were Jesus and Moses and Elijah talking about? Here you have Moses, who, for our our understanding, represents the whole law. It's the law of Moses. That's what they call it. And and and. and The law of Moses, the Torah, the teaching, the instruction, the law is the center point to every Jewish person, especially in the biblical world. It's the heart of what they do. It's who they are. There's nothing more important than the law of Moses. And so here's Moses here, and here's Elijah, the great prophet. Sort of the same way, demonstrating for us the great way God spoke to his people by the prophet. And here you have these two guys together and Jesus is with them. And I just got to wonder, man, what's going on in that conversation? You know, maybe thinking about some of the experiences Moses had and some of the things Elijah went through. You know, Maybe they're trying to, hey, Jesus, hey, tag, you're it, buddy. <laughs> it's your turn. Or, 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 or I don't know what they're talking about, but it's just if one day When we all get to that place we're all hoping for, if it still matters, that's on my list of things to find out. What were those three people talking about? But as I also read and reread the story of the transfiguration of Jesus, I think, okay, here's Jesus, here's Moses, here's Elijah, and, 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 and here we have these three disciples. Now, you and I kind of take it for granted. Well, Jesus was with these two other people. My question is, how did Peter, James, and John know that that was Elijah and that was Moses? They didn't have illustrated Bibles. They didn't have Google searches. They didn't have anything like that to give them a, a solid sense of what those people would have looked like. But something... About those two people just made something go off in, 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 the people, in the disciples' head and said, whoa, look who's here. And it's important, I think, that they did understand who was there. And it's important for us as well to understand who was there. Because here we do have the, 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 the giver of the law, Moses. And here we do have the great prophet. And here we do have the one person who is bringing those two together. It's important for those disciples to realize those two gentlemen with Jesus because when they do, they understand Jesus is the one that is fulfilling all of those things. They understand him to be the Messiah that's been promised, the one who has come to fulfill, complete everything God has said God would do. And that's important for you and I to realize as well. So we have these two very important people with Jesus. We have this very important image of what's going on in this, in this dialog they we're having. We don't know what they're saying. We don't know if we wish we would. And we have this great scene where, where Jesus is, is being transformed. Trans- he's, being, he's in a state of metamorphosis. What the word translates into he, he's totally changed, he's dazzling white, such an awesome scene and peter has has the the idea, hey, Jesus, it's good for us to be here. How about I get some tents ready for everybody my 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 question is, what's with the tents now Mark uh, does us a favor. He kind of sticks up for for uh, Peter here. Peter's, he's, he's scared to death. I think you would be too. I mean, I'm not going to change or anything, but if somebody appears on the side of me out of nowhere, you're going to be kind of freaked out yourself. Have you ever, have you ever like maybe had a, maybe a meeting that you you just really weren't looking forward to at work or something? Or, you know, maybe there's just one of those uncomfortable conversations that you had to have with somebody, and you know, beforehand you know, you practice what you want to say, you pick out the right words that you want to have, and, and you get yourself ready, and you get to that point, and when you get there, you're you know, you're sweating, and you're just kind of, "Okay, I got to do this," and when it's time to say whatever you got to say, you just kind of like, blah, blah, blah. maybe that's what's going on with. Three of them are so scared and somehow maybe they cast lots, maybe they did rock, paper, scissors, I don't know. But somehow Peter's the one who opens his mouth and they come up with a bright idea. How about we make tents for you and Moses and Elijah? What a great idea, right? Well, I'm not quite sure what's going on with the tents, but I have three possible explanations uh, for our good friend Peter and um, it may or may not be what was in his mind but maybe gives us something to think about one maybe Peter just all of a sudden had in his heart to, to, to stretch out to give out a hand of hospitality maybe he was reading the, the five practices of fruitful congregations and he wanted to kind of put some stuff into practice right? And so here we have Jesus, Elijah, and Moses, and what's the only thing he can think to do? Well, to make sure that they're comfortable. Not thinking that that would mean, okay, uh, I'm going to have to climb down this high mountain. Uh, I'm going to have to go find supplies. Uh, You know, when everybody sees me, they are going to want to know what I'm doing. I'm going to have to, I can't keep my mouth shut. And then I'm going to have to climb back up with all the supplies. And then if they're still here, then make them a tent. Not really a good idea. But another suggestion says that, well, maybe Peter has in his heart and his faith, he's remembering the, the Festival of Booths. This was something that was prescribed by God for God's people, where God's people were commanded each year to go and go back into the desert and to live in tents. And by so doing, they were reminding themselves of what God had led them through before. Maybe that was in Peter's heart, as he's saying, well, let's build tents. Let's remind ourselves of the great work God is doing. Let's see what God is doing right here. Maybe. Or maybe, just maybe, Peter was trying to do everything he could to try to generate any idea he could to prolong that experience on that mountain. Maybe Peter didn't want to come down at all. And maybe he thought, well, if I can make everybody comfortable, maybe we could stay here for a very long time. Remember that most spectacular thing I asked you to think about at the beginning of our service? Do you remember how you felt? Do you remember maybe the joy that you had in your heart? Can you remember maybe just the, 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 the awe you had, or, or when you realized God was doing miracles, or God was healing, whatever it was that you had in your mind? Can you remember how that made you just, man, God is good? Wouldn't it be awesome to always feel like that? Maybe Peter doesn't want to come down that mountain. For us this morning, I'd like us to consider that, that last thought. The other two, maybe we can talk about next year or something. But um, there's something about the past that really can, can do a lot of good for us, but can also kind of just hinder us just a little bit, especially when it comes to our faith. We all have these faith experiences We all have a witness to what God has done in our lives. We all have a witness to what God has done in other people's lives. And I think we're supposed to remember those things. I think we're supposed to remember uh, the healing, the victory. We're supposed to remember uh, the good thing God has has taught us. We're supposed to remember those things. So many times, if you read in the Old Testament, when God is, is making his case against the people, so many times he says, well, wasn't I the one who brought you out? Wasn't I the one who took care of your enemies? You remember that? It's okay to remember, I think. Remember Jonah? When Jonah is on that boat, before he's getting ready to take his his final plunge, remember that? And, And the people on the boat ask, well, who are you? Jonah says, well, I'm a Hebrew. Now, Hebrew means one who crossed over. Jonah's telling those people, I'm one of the people who crossed over. Well, Jonah never crossed over anything. That was before his time, but he remembered what God had done. And I think that's what we're supposed to do. What I don't think we're supposed to do is make tents around those things. I think we run the risk of maybe like our friend Peter, wanting so bad to stay up there on that mountain, feeling the way we feel, being uh, just epiphany is what some people call that experience as well, that they had a realization of what was going on and they never wanted it to end. while it's okay to want to feel that way, that's not practical, is it? What about the people still down the mountain that haven't had that same realization? Sometimes, I think, when we build our tents around things that God has already done, we run the risk of missing what God is doing right now. We run the risk of not hearing the voice of God speak to us at this very moment, the same way God spoke to us and revealed himself to us times ago. I think that's important for us because, you know, we've heard a lot of talk about the great things this church has done in this past, haven't we? And sometimes we wonder, well, you know, if we could just get back to doing this, or if we could just have uh, this family back, or if we could just do this again, then everything might be all right again. We could get back to those things. Maybe. And I think when we, when we get caught in that, I think we forget of the great work God is doing now. Just in the short time that I've been here, I've seen this group of people do some amazing things. I've seen God work in amazing ways in the lives of the people who are here right now. And I think also when we focus building those tents around what used to be, we ignore all the people around us who don't even know we're here. And we miss what could be right now. Something happened on that mountain that day or that night. Depending on your take on it. As those disciples sat there looking at Jesus and the other two figures who were with him, and this cloud of smoke came around, and maybe you recall that so often in Scripture that cloud represents the presence of God. And as they were enveloped in the presence of God and they saw Christ there in his glory, they knew beyond any shadow of any doubt that that was the Messiah. That was the one who had come to bring us hope, to restore peace, to offer to us new reconciliation. You know, every time we gather here on Sunday mornings, we say, we are reminded of Christ's presence with us. Now, this is no mountain. I'm no Elijah or Moses. But do you come expecting the presence of God to fill you when you come here? I think, friends, that we know, we realize that the world around us the world within us needs real change. And I want you to realize this about me. When I go to prepare anything that has to do with church, whether it be a sermon or a study or whatever, there's a lot of things I try to do in the short amount of time that I have. And yes, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes is a short amount of time. Okay, You'll probably spend more time this week watching commercials and you will listening to me, okay? (laughs) But in that time, I always want to do a few things, and one thing in particular that for myself I think I have to do is answer what we call the so what question that people have about faith now. You see, for good or for bad, we have so many other influences in our lives. People and, and entities and institutions that, that offer to us new ways of thinking, new ideas, and all those kinds. Of, and those those are fine. But so, what happens sometimes is that when we hear all those things, we get all these ideas. Sometimes it's God's word that kind of gets well. Okay, yeah, but. And so you know when when I'm when I'm thinking about the transfiguration of Jesus, I'm you know I think I have to kind of answer well. Okay, John. Okay, there's Jesus. He's nice and white. He looks really, really bleachy right now. There's a few guys with him. So what? What does that mean to me? Well, I think you know me that as long as I'm having a good time here, I'm okay. So I'm going to have a good time again. I'm not going to ask for you the so what. I'm going to ask of you the so what question. And here's what I mean. We all have things in our lives that we can look back on, instances, events, uh, things that happened to us, things that God taught us, and we know and we believe that God was with us. We know and we believe that God was with us. We believe God healed us, our family. We believe God brought us back together. We believe God brought, we believe all these things. My question then is to you. So what? You see, because even or wherever you think he's at, even he believes God can do those things. Even he believes God has power to restore everything. Even he believes in what God can do. The question isn't whether you believe or not, friends. The question is how has it changed? when those disciples realized that the fulfillment of their entire religious believing system was right there represented in that one person, when they realized that the presence of God was around them, when they came down that mountain finally, look what they were able to do. Friends, when you and I can say in our heart of hearts that Jesus is Lord, the next thing that we have to do is ask ourselves, how does that change me? Because when we are able to learn to hear God's voice calling to us to change ourselves, then we're more apt to be able to do what we need to do to change the things around us to bring healing and reconciliation to our families, to bring love and outreach to our communities, then and only then, when we open ourselves to be instruments of God's work, can God bring the change to our hearts for others as well. Would you please be with me in a time of prayer? And if you would, pray with me. Loving God, we confess that you are Lord of Lords. Lord, we ask that your peace and your love would reign in our lives. And that the acknowledgement of who you are Brings change to our hearts, change to our lives, and brings the change to the world that only you can give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.